Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Ridiculous News is a production of iHeartRadio and Cool 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 Audio. With amazing and crazy topics to pick and to choose, you are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. With interesting views on breaking the rules of broadcasting and all sorts of wild reports to keep us laughing. With funny off-brand upbeat journalism, the strange and unusual stories of what we give them. When it's all about ridiculous news everywhere, we talking about ridiculous news over here. Hey everyone, welcome to Ridiculous News. This is not your average news show, y'all. We cover stuff you didn't realize was news, from the wild and funny, to the deep and hidden, to the absolutely ridiculous. I'm Bill Worley, an Atlanta-based filmmaker. I do comedy, and I've been watching the Star Wars show Andor, and man, I'm digging it, man. Rogue One is my second favorite Star Wars movie behind Empire Strikes Back, and it has a very similar vibe to Rogue One, this TV show, so I, I, I have, I'm having fun with it. Not sponsored by Disney, but I dig it. <laughs> That's a great recommendation, Bill. Uh, yeah. Hey, everyone. My name is Mark. I'm an Atlanta-based comedian. And, you know, speaking of movies, Bill, November is yes. here. So that means it's time to bring on the holiday rom-coms. I'm talking Woo! about Hallmark, Lifetime, whatever it is. Yes. And you might be like, oh, Mark, do you mean like, uh, 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 you know, like my best friend's wedding or like uh, love don't cost a thing? Hey, these are great rom-coms. There's, they're amazing. But every year, y'all, they churn out. Like Hallmark Lifetime, they churn out all these rom-coms. They got a very specific vibe. Very often, mm. it involves like someone from the big city. They got to go to a small town. Who's there but the small town romantic interests? They fall in love. It's uh, we, we know what it's about, but it, it's great. So I say bring it on. Well, anyway, y'all, today is a weekly roundup episode, and we're going to be discussing headlines that caught our eye recently. So we might be talking about uh, Twitter just a little bit. We might go into Maine removing uh, naughty license plates and so much more. So uh, the yeah. first headline we'll start with is the aforementioned Twitter. And people apparently are pretending to be laid off Twitter employees carrying boxes outside of HQ. So this is from the I mean, Verge. They might not soon be pretending. They might be soon. They might just be laid off, you know? That's true. Very true. Very <laughs> true. Good point. So uh, the article goes on to say that in videos circulating on Twitter recently, uh, two men 
carrying boxes are seen standing near the entrance to Twitter's San Francisco building, claiming to have been laid off by Elon Musk, who officially took over the company last week. All right. Uh, one man in particular identified himself as software engineer named Rahul Ligma. The Verge has confirmed that name does not exist in Twitter's Slack or email system. So Ligma, in quotes, is, of course, the article says, of course, I didn't really know this. I didn't but, know this either, but we're old millennials. I don't know, Mark. We don't know all the lingo. Yeah. So, so the article. That's why like, we do this podcast. Yeah. So the article says, oh, well, Ligma, of course, as you know, is an internet <laughs> hoax designed to elicit the response, lick my balls from people who are mm. in on the joke. I didn't know. I mean, like, I didn't, I, I, I didn't know that that was a thing. Um, right. But anyway, that didn't stop multiple outlets, including CNBC and Bloomberg, from running headlines recently saying that laid-off Twitter employees were leaving the building carrying boxes. Mm -hmm. uh, so Musk did fire many of Twitter's top execs. I mean, um, he just straight burned through, I think, almost everybody. Like, CEO, CFO, CMO, see you later. Like, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And as Seems you alluded like to earlier, Bill, they're probably not done in terms of letting people uh -uh. go. Nope. But Ligma is not one of them. A spokesperson for Twitter <laughs> didn't respond to a request for comment. I get that. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I understand, uh, yes. you know, things are like in turmoil over there. Can you tell us mm -hmm. about this Ligma person outside your building? Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> but apparently there were some quotes from this Rahul Ligma character. And Bill, some of these are kind of like, I guess, trolls against Elon or, you know, jokes about pop culture. Some of them, though, I couldn't really follow what yeah. they were even trying to get across. So we right. can read through some of these. So let's do it. Uh, so uh, let's see. Here's one of the quotes that they said. It makes me worry about the future of our democracy, the future of celebrity conservatorship. I mean, when Britney Spears happened, dot, dot, dot. I'm like, I don't know where they were trying to go with that. I mean, yeah, what? I, I get that they're like trying to go for something funny or silly. I just don't understand what the point they're trying to make here but yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah definitely they said quote michelle obama wouldn't have happened if elon musk owned twitter obama in 2008 wouldn't have happened without elon musk owning twitter what yeah I, I what uh yeah. th this other quote was i even own a tesla man i'm a big fan of clean energy climate change even free speech too so i guess you know seems to be like trolling elon in some way but for sure it, it was trying to figure out what this person was getting at overall. And Bill, I don't know. I can't say that I'm excited. However, Mr. Ligma yeah. has joined us oh, in the studio today. So, Come on in, Ligma. Hey, guys. <laughs> I'm just hanging out here until my unemployment check shows up. Oh, man. Yeah, you've been out in front of the Twitter building saying all these ridiculous things. Uh, glad to have you on the cast. Oh, ridiculous. Not ridiculous at all. You know what I mean? Like, teach a man to fish. You know what I'm saying? He fishes for mm -hmm. a day. But you teach a man to catch an ocean, he fishes all week. You see what I'm saying? I don't. I don't see what you're saying, Mr. Ligma. You miss 80% of the shots that you take, 80% if you miss them. But only if you believe in percentages. That one kind of made somewhat more sense still. <laughs> hey, there, crazy. Were, there, were, there were two feet in the sand when I was by myself. All right. Okay. Right. But then there was like 16 feet in the sand when Jesus showed up because he's got so many pairs of Jordans, you know? 
that also tracks a little bit more. Uh, it's it, it, it's bizarre. It's bizarre, but I feel like lick my balls. Oh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just gonna be over here in the corner, guys. I'm just gonna be in the, here in the corner. Lick my balls. I'll be here all week, and I figured I'll just wait in the studio. You're right next to the unemployment office, so I'll just wait here okay. until my check shows up. That's right. I forgot we are very conveniently located right here next to the unemployment office. Yeah, specifically uh, the unemployment office for whatever city you're you're based yes, out of. That's uh, Mr. Lick that city. Yeah, actually, absolutely. And like, feel free to hang out and, and dump some more wisdom if you'd like. Um, Woo! If, yeah. If you, if you can, Proverbs ninety nine ninety nine. Hey, he keeps tapping my nuts. Please stop. Please stop. Okay. Okay. So I'm so this, sorry. I want to be. <laughs> I'm so sorry about that. Oh no! It's, I mean, I get it. It's kind of your mo, but yeah, we can, we can, we can not do that. Let's move on to this story about Maine, who has been removing those naughty license plates. That's right. Up in Portland, they've been cleaning up the roadways, not by removing. You know the the dead animals or the potholes, but they're removing the vulgarities from the license plates. Yep, in Maine, their state is enforcing new rules to eliminate f bombs and other obscenities that appear on vanity license plates after the state effectively eliminated its review process. Uh, free speech. Uh, that's right. Secretary of State Shayna Bellows is passionate about free speech as a former director of the ACLU of Maine, but she said the obscenities should not be on license plates, which are state property. Uh, she goes on to say, quote, what I would say to those who want to engage in, objection- in objectionable or questionable speech, get a bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> so Maine's previous approach to allowing whatever people wanted on their license plates turned into kind of a wild, wild west. So there were blushing references. They said, I love that term, Mark, <laughs> blushing references to sex acts or genitalia. Um, one notorious license plate used a profanity that starts with the letter F followed by the word U, they said, <laughs> which oh, I don't know what they're talking about. Right. Um, but the main new rules, uh, which Bellow says tracks closely with New Hampshire's revised standards, as well, um, they ban derogatory references to age, race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, gender identity, national origin, religion, or disability, or anything that incites violence. Um, yeah, you can just get bumper stickers for that. Yeah, I agree. Just, just, just get a bumper sticker. A <laughs> license plate's a little harder to. Um, what, what do I mean? What do I mean by that? I think it's like a bumper sticker. It's like, all right, that's that person's car. They got a bumper sticker. I guess it is weird, especially, you know, if it's something inciting violence, you, you know, or derogatory towards another person on like an official license plate. I get how that's right. just like that doesn't make people feel safe, you know. Right. Yeah. And 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 you don't want that on the roads. So there's enough problems with road rage and accidents. But, you know, we, this kind of inspired me to look up some funny bumper stickers. I know we all had good ones. I We've all seen good ones on the road. Right. And, and also terrible ones. But some of my favorite ones when I was thinking about ones that I've seen is once it's uh, uh, adults on board. We want to live too. <laughs> uh, or uh, another version of the no baby on board, and there's a Durex logo right below it. <laughs> yeah, these are pretty funny. Mr. Ligma, what do you think? Ligma Bowls! <laughs> Mr. Ligma, <laughs> that's, I, I don't think you could fit that onto a bumper sticker. So I don't think that's even possible. Ooh, get two! Get, get two! Get! Leave my balls! Oh man, wait a minute, Mark. I have to say that this guy, uh, 
Uh, I do think you could fit that on a bumper sticker. I don't yeah, know where I misspoke. <laughs> what, that, what I meant to say was, I don't think you could fit that on a license plate. You know what, Mark? You're right. You're right. That is hard. That is definitely hard to get on a license plate. Bumper sticker, fine. License plate. Uh, yeah. Well, well Ligma, what, there are some other fun license plates. Uh, like the One of my favorites is a classic. There was a car called the uh, Mazda Tribute. And someone would stick a, a bumper sticker right over where the back of the car identified it as a tribute, saying, "This is not the greatest car in the world. This is just a <laughs> tribute." <laughs> Man, tenacious team, really fun. Shout out. Up next, y'all. Uh, I know Halloween has already passed, but it can still be spooky season. You know, leaves are changing, chilly mm-hmm. weather. It's still, it's still the time. So yeah. there was an article from Yahoo News, and there is an elephant-sized demon cat that is said to appear at the U.S. Capitol before national emergencies. And this is according to reports as far back as 1862. And of course, this is folklore, this is legend. But the article goes on to say that for more than 150 years, a demon cat, some say the size of an elephant, is said to appear near the grounds of the U.S. Capitol before national emergencies, according to the White House Historical Association. Uh, so there's a quote from Steve Livengood, the chief tour guide of the U.S. Capitol Historical Society, and they told Atlas Obscura that it's probably the most common of all the ghost stories in the Capitol. Uh, the partly, demon cat? What? Yeah, partly because of the physical evidence. <laughs> <laughs> so the two That's things hilarious. about that, one is the physical evidence that they allude to, but also the most common of all the ghost stories. So... It seems right. like the Capitol is probably a pretty spooky place, which I would believe. Uh, yeah, that tracks. Yeah. So in 1898, after the Capitol building was damaged by a gas explosion, paw prints in the initials DC, speculated to mean demon cat, appeared in the concrete poured to repair the small Senate rotunda. While Live and Good told Atlas Obscura it was, quote, quite possible a cat simply walked across the wet concrete, visitors <laughs> to the Capitol have seen the prints and news reports of sightings as evidence of the legend's veracity. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. 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 Apparently it like the, it was cited, you know, before the stock market crash. Uh, it's it had some kind of fa- famous science. What I, I thought was also interesting about this, Mark, is that, you know, we talk about fake news or crazy news nowadays, and there definitely is that. Mm-hmm. But back in 1898, the Washington Post reported about the cat and said the creature, quote, swells up to the size of an elephant before the eyes of the terrified observer. Uh, And then later, I mean, 40 years later, the Washington Post in 1935 also reported a sighting where the cat's eyes glow, this quote, glow with all the hue and ferocity of the headlights of a fire engine. (laughs) So, you know, a little bit, is, is that something I would expect more on, you know, weekly world news or, I don't know, Twitter? Yeah, so the article also has another quote from Live and Good, and they say, I can put enough pieces together to know where the legend came from. The night watchmen were not professionals. They would often be some senator's ne'er-do-well brother-in-law that had a drinking problem. So that was their quote. And so the article goes on to say that the night watchmen who reported spotting this demonic creature would often leverage their political connections to avoid trouble for drinking on the job, making up stories of being attacked by this fearsome creature. And so then the other guards realize that if they see the cat and get attacked, then they get a day off, you know? So I guess, (laughs) (laughs) and so I think that that's how the legend, or at least according to Live and Good, 
that's his suspicions about what this legend came out of. And I guess I just don't party hard enough, Mark. I don't think I've ever partied or been drunk to the point where I'm like, it's a giant cat. <laughs> I, I, I know. I mean, it's a giant like, elephant cat. Like, I don't see stuff when I'm drunk. Right? Like, what? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, what don't know. kind of alcohol were these folks drinking back in the day? And this must have been way more into it. Of course, I guess also the fact that there weren't camera phones or things like that. You could probably just make shit up. And, you know, if you sold it well enough, if you're a good enough storyteller, eh, you know, you can get in the Washington Post. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts danielle moody here host of the woke af daily podcast we've been with iheart's outspoken network for a year and what a year it has been Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque. Tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately eleven million dollars. Nearly ten million dollars was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, season five, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
With amazing and crazy topics for picking to choose, you are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. All right. And so we're back, y'all. And Bill, in Georgia, around the country, we're in the midst of midterm elections. You know, we got early voting. We got uh, election day coming up. Very important election. And so you pulled a great article about just the stakes of things that are going on because i mean it can be confusing sometimes because people are always like hey we got an election it's super important and you hear that a lot and it's always true but then you're like well how is it always true and i and i think (laughs) something you know what i'm saying like and and it's not to say that it's not or anything like that it is but i think something that you know the more i vote and things like that that i realize is that each election is different and they can also be important every time. So first off, before we go into the article more, just a quick reminder, you know, like, please vote. Uh, it's important. Uh, and we thank you for doing it. If you have, it's, it's just a really great thing to do. Uh, yeah, early vote. You can, uh, you know, and lots of states have early vote. Make sure you look up your where your polling place is so you don't drive somewhere and you, it's changed. Uh, there's a lot of changing of polling places recently. Mm-hmm. Um, or go vote on election day, you know, make sure you're, you got plenty of time, you've blocked off plenty of time. Just just make a plan. Yeah. And Bill, you found this uh, really good article from New York Times just kind of breaking down some of what's at stake here or what mm-hmm. what's important to know. So this first thing was, uh, what is decided in this election? Okay. So you got the Senate, uh, which currently is at a 50-50 deadlock, uh, but is controlled by Democrats because Vice President Kamala Harris cast the breaking tie vote, right? Um, Senate has 100 members with two from each of the 50 states. There are 34 seats up for grabs in November, and winners serve six-year terms. That's right? a long term. A That's long a time. long term. Been 34 seats up for grabs. That's a lot of seats up for grabs. Right now, according to 538, which who believes for 538 anymore? I hate polls. I hate 538, but it, it's kind of saying it's a toss-up at the moment, um, which just highlights the importance of your vote. Your vote matters. You think you don't matter. Look at the slim margins that were here in Georgia and around the country in these last elections. Every vote matters. Absolutely. And so in addition to the Senate, you have the House with 435 voting members. That's currently controlled by Democrats, 222 to 213. All right. So very close there. And all 435 seats are up for election with winners serving two-year terms. That's so wild to me. All 435 seats are up. I mean, I guess that's just because it's every two years, right? Mm-hmm. So, but that's so many. That's so it can can create such a quick turn. And in that one, it definitely seems like Republicans are favored to win, according to the House, as of this moment. But again, you know, as we all saw with you know the Trump presidency and, and many things, these these polls nowadays. I don't even know why I'm referencing them, Mark, because I hate them. But they're just something that we have to reference because that's all we got. Uh, so don't let that discourage you if you're uh, wanting to vote and think your voice doesn't matter because it absolutely does. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so we'll see what happens over these next couple of weeks and things like that. Um, but some other things that are at stake are if Democrats lose control of either body, Biden's agenda is in trouble. So if Republicans win either the House or the Senate, they can prevent a lot of what Biden and the Democrats would hope to accomplish before 2024, a.k.a. the next presidential election. So that'd make it very difficult for 
Democrats to pass major legislation. In addition, uh, Republicans could gain investigative and impeachment powers. So if they take over one or both of the chambers, they could use their new powers to create an onslaught of investigations into Democrats, uh, as opposition parties have long done in Washington. Right. And, you know, there's already there's been some people not a lot, but gosh, been calling for the impeachment of Biden for, I don't know, during doing what pulling off his glasses weird. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know he's, he's definitely not perfect, but he hasn't, you know, incited an insurrection or anything like that. So, um, yeah, definitely it, it weighs down a lot and it gets really slow down a lot, especially with this super hyper partisan era that we're in. So just a huge reminder to um, vote, you know, the state races also have a huge effect on issues like abortion rights, mm-hmm. you know, which is huge and voting and thinking about how those rights are changing the other rights to privacy that we have, whether that's interracial marriage, just that right to contraception itself. Yeah. As wild as that sounds, uh, there's, you know, Clarence Thomas has talked about looking at that and saying, mm, do we, should we really allow contraception? So a lot, a lot, a lot at stake. Um, so please, please vote. To echo what you said, stakes are really high, and while that can be like very negative sounding sometimes, or I don't know, overwhelming. I know I feel that sometimes. Like sure. one thing that helps with me with voting is that it's just like, hey, this is your civic duty that you can do, and we don't control everything, but voting is something that you can control, and right. it can be empowering. So I think when things get overwhelming, and they can, is you know all these numbers, all this legislation, all these things at stake. You know, just remembering like, hey, you, you can vote and it really does make a difference. Absolutely. Yeah. It it gives you an opportunity to be more invested and to feel like you did your part and to not just be hopeless, you know. Absolutely. It's it's a great thing to do. And you know, speaking of great things to do, <laughs> this next <laughs> article is about plastic waste. And unfortunately, according to a Research done by Greenpeace, um, which could be a little biased, but they said only 5% of plastic waste generated in the U.S. last year was recycled. And if you've seen some great documentaries on this, there's there's stuff on that. And this is definitely like that. Unfortunately, Americans discarded 51 million tons of wrappers, bottles, and bags. That works out to about 309 pounds of plastic per person, you know, like a medium-sized lineman in the NFL. Uh, And about 95% ended in either landfills, inside the ocean, or scattered in the atmosphere in tiny toxic particles. Man. Yeah, it's a bummer. It's a bummer. It's just one of those things to think about. It's the plastic problem is not just down to the wanton consumerism or laziness. In fact, the situation would still be bad even if every household separated every piece of plastic and disposed of it in a dedicated recycling plant. Because there's not a single type of plastic packaging in the U.S. that meets the definition of recyclable used by the Ellen MacArthur's Foundation's new plastic economy initiative, the report found. Uh, and, and yeah, it's so wild. I feel like we, we, we waste a lot. It's just a, a reminder to reduce, reuse, um, recycle, um, and uh, I think the fourth R that I like, Mark, is refuse. Um, mm. You know, you don't have to accept the straw. You don't have to accept the 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 to-go cup. If you're eating in the restaurant, you know, you can bring your own container, et cetera, et cetera. There's lots of things you can do. Um, 
and I don't want this to be a complete downer of a of a main news article, but it's just you know highlighting the truth. Um, unfortunately, uh, for folks who really separate and wash and all that, we need to find a better um, way to produce products and not just put it on the consumer to quote unquote quote unquote you know recycle, and that's going to solve all these problems because obviously it's not. Yeah, and Bill, just kind of something that was educational for me reading this article or a reminder, I guess, is that, you know, it's a systemic issue, right? So mm-hmm. it's beyond just like us as individuals separating the plastics, which is still important, you know, but mm-hmm. it's also Absolutely. holding like these bigger corporations accountable, you know, to truly recycle mm-hmm. this stuff. Right. And make things that can be recycled and yes. or products that are less wasteful, packaging that's less wasteful. And, you know, the the leader of Greenpeace did say the real solution is to switch to systems of reuse and refill, um, which is tricky, but doable. You know, we can do it. They do it in other countries. We can do it better here. They do say if the status quo continues, global plastic use and waste will nearly triple by 2060. And literally, Mark, we'll all just live in like a giant ball pit of plastic and every day we'll open the door and just wade through the plastic. Um, just kidding. They didn't say any of this. It, it Sometimes it feels that way. Well, speaking of balls, it's me, Mr. Ligma back again. <laughs> and I gotta say, hey, I know I said a lot of stuff that was wild in the earlier segment. And hey, mm-hmm. you know, I realize I'm pretty out there, but I will say I use cardboard boxes when I was fired from Twitter. And I realized mm. I'm not a real person that exists. But I took several trips with that one pair of cardboard, with that one cardboard box, several trips. Mm. That's another way that you can recycle. So let's say, you know, uh, uh, for hope this doesn't happen to you. But if you get laid off, use a cardboard box, take several trips back and forth, as opposed to stacking a bunch of plastic boxes that you get from Crate and Barrel. Amen. We'll be right back with more ridiculous news after this short break. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. 
tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes... I guess identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. Okay, Mark, and it's time for a little dessert here. Uh, We have a great story here. Love any story having to do with dogs. (laughs) And this is a great one um, about at a San Francisco restaurant. There's pups now chowing down on filet mignon. This is from the Associated Press. Dog, which rhymes with Vogue, D-O-G-U-E, opened last month in the San Francisco's very trendy Mission District. And if you go to there, for $75 per pup, doggy diners get a multiple-course bone appetite meal featuring dishes like chicken skin waffles and filet mignon steak tartare with quail egg. I want that. <laughs> yeah, me too, me too. It also includes a mimosa and a baked treat for the pup's human or uh, servant, I guess you could say in this case. Uh, Rami Masarwa, a dog owner and classically trained chef, decided to leave his stressful job running a fine dining restaurant and focus on new canine cafe. And this is just so ridiculous. I mean, we all do love our dogs. You know, I uh, have had great relationships with dogs. What, I mean, what other kind of relationships is there with a dog, Mark? (laughs) How is is your relationship with dogs, Mark? Uh, I'd say it's good. I'd say it's like respectful. You know, I'm not, I'm not a dog whisperer, but I feel like dogs (laughs) like me. You you know what I'm saying? I think they do. I I feel like I get along pretty well with dogs. I mean, of the animals in my favorite, of course. Uh, Well, (laughs) well, like it goes elephants. Okay. Elephants. Elephants. 
maybe rhinos, dogs. But it's like you can't bring a mm-hmm. rhino or an elephant into the house. You know, you can't be road tripping with a with a rhino. You know? Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah, that's true. maybe yeah. in the future, but just not now. Right. Right. Well, it, you know, and, and there is something fun about spoiling dogs. We love them so much. You know. I used to get these like ice cream things they have for dogs, these frozen treats, or you can put peanut butter in a in a nice treat to really give them a, a good time. And you know, but not everybody is into the seventy five dollar per pup thing. In fact, some critics have expressed online outrage over the price point for the pampered pets, pointing out income inequality, gentrification, and homelessness in San Francisco. For the cost of the tasting menu, you could buy at least five big burritos at one of the many nearby taquerias in the Mission neighborhood. And, you know, to that I say, man, you can say that about almost anything, right? You know, it's this is capitalism. We live in capitalist society. You know, sure, I, I got my Xbox. Could I have fed and helped a homeless person with that money? Yes. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Um, but as, I think as long as us as humans are doing our part and volunteering and doing the things that we need to do uh, to help our society and our culture, you know, I don't feel too bad about someone pampering their pop that that I feel like there's worse things to go after. Yeah, I say just like if you're going to get filet mignon for your dog, do your thing. Just every human that you interact with in that situation, make sure you're very kind to them. You know what I'm saying? Like there's mm. a woman that would come to the yogurt shop that I worked at and they would buy these kind of things for their pets, you know. And it's like, hey, mm. is there money? Let them, you know, spend it the way that they spend it. Uh, however, you know, it's just like if you treat someone rude as you're trying to get like sashimi or whatever it is for your cat, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's also not the yeah. way to exist in the world. And I still remember no. this woman to this day, you know, so. Damn. So she was just rude buying sashimi for a cat and just treating the, everybody like they're, they were nothing? She would just say weird things, Bill. Like, it wasn't anything that was like overly bad, but well, no, let me take that back. It was bad. <laughs> it's not so much. Like, she didn't punch me or anything like that, but we were talking, we had a very specific conversation about the different theaters in Atlanta. She liked going to theater, and she's like, yeah, that one theater, and by the way, like, she was saying to me, a black person that did theater, she's like, yeah, that one theater, you know, they just do too much black stuff. And also, the (laughs) theater that she was talking about, they don't do too much black stuff. They don't at all. They do oh like maybe one God. or two things a year. And to her, that's just like, yeah, that's too that's much. Too even though much. we're in this majority black city. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to go buy this sushi for my cat. And so anyway, oh this that's the woman God. that came to mind when I thought of this article. Now, on the flip side, if she's like, hey, I got money to spend like fancy tuna on my cat. By the way, here's a great tip for you. These people getting me my yogurt. I'd be like, what a kind lady. I'll remember you many years later on this podcast. But that's not how it went down. So. No, I mean, yeah, what the hell, man? That's <laughs> so anyways, terrible. That was a weird thing. That's you know, terrible. if, if you're going to get filet mignon for a dog, you can't also be racist. That that does put you mm. in a bad category, and I will not. That's a double not. bad, you know, because you're already on the edge. You're already very much teetering on the edge buying filet mignon or sashimi for your cat or filet mignon for your dog. Let's face it, you know. So if you just, if anything rude towards the staff, you've fallen completely on into asshole territory. For sure. You know, I, when I was in uh, Seoul, Korea, uh, visiting there, they have these like cat cafes mm-hmm. and animal cafes. And they're a little weird. I don't necessarily recommend them um, because of the way the animals seem to be kind of drugged. Sometimes like there's raccoons and things and you can like 
play with them, but it, it didn't feel right. But there was a dog cafe when we, we were talking to some of the locals and they're like, well, there's a dog cafe that's actually really good. And I will say that, you know, going to a dog coffee shop mm-hmm. where it's a bunch of rescue dogs. And so there wasn't as many dogs just on the street. So I guess if, if you like dogs, there's a place you could go just like hang out with dogs. Was pretty phenomenal. <laughs> I would say. Of, of, like, and it seemed to, you know, genuinely the staff there seemed to get along very well with the dogs. The dogs seemed to get along very well with the people that were working and they seemed to be having a good time. Um, that's something that I'm very pro is uh, uh, dog shops just with a, a whole slew of dogs in yeah. <laughs> uh, them, coffee shops or you name it. I mean, most most situations I think would be better with a dog in them the majority of the time, I have to say. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, Bill, we got time for one more ridiculous headline, and I think that this one is pretty silly. So this uh, okay. story takes us to Pasadena, and there was a job posting uh, on a sign that said, now hiring non-stupid people. And so, of course, that would turn heads. And yeah. so it came from the owner of Pets Gone Wild Resort. All right? Woo. And, uh, yeah, and they had a sign that said, now hiring non-stupid people. And Parsons, who runs this place, uh, was quoted as saying, we're trying to weed out the people that do come in. We hired one last week that lasted three days. So, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I guess, you know, they had a position that they were trying to fill for a while and they were not pleased with how their initial applicants were working out. So they said that repeatedly uh, they had to say things like, get off your cell phone. You got dogs to watch. OK, pull the cell phone up. Go back out there. 20 minutes later, they're back on their cell phone. So it sounds like this person had a couple really bad experiences. And they're like, you know Mm -hmm. what? The best way to find a smart person is to ask for non-stupid people. And so then within 24 hours, they said after putting up this sign, they got three solid applicants and really have no more use for the sign. (laughs) So which is funny Uh because they're not even looking for non-stupid people anymore. Um, Right. And since they found the employees they need, he said that they're probably going to take down the sign soon. Um, wow. Which is, you know. Well, sad. and how do you feel, you know, if this, you know, this community, Pasadena, you know, the people that did work there probably are driving by. Like the person that made it three days, not seeing now hiring non-stupid people. Do you take that pretty person? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man. I feel like, yeah. First of all, like, I think it's tricky to define stupid. And then anytime right. I think you describe someone else as stupid, that's pretty mean, you know, like it is like yeah. a stupid, like saying that a person is a stupid person. You know, I think you can make a stupid mistake. You can do something stupid. But when you call someone stupid, I see how that, you know, turns heads. But hey, I mean, this place is also called Pets Gone Wild Resort. And like... <laughs> And again, that's not to say anything against it, but I'm just saying like, hey, you got this place called Pets Gone Wild Resort. You have a sign that says now hiring non-stupid people. Bill, you and I, through our deep dive episodes, we've talked about all types of advertising and stuff that makes people turn their head. It's effective. So, I mean, it got this dude on the news. Yeah. And and not that that's a reason to do things at all, but (laughs) I, I mean, I see why this person kept it up. They got some press. Yeah, who knows? I bet you they started booking more people, too. I mean, I, I do. When you drop your dog off at a place, you want people to really care. And 
I do think most people do. I mean, if you work with dogs, hopefully you care about the dogs. I mean, maybe they were on their phone because they're just taking pictures <laughs> of all these dogs. <laughs> Constant taunt their Instagrams, just a thousand pictures of dogs. But, you know, uh, Glad that these people found a creative way to get better employees, I guess. Uh, I don't know if they needed to insult other people, but hey, (laughs) you know, um, I'm glad that the dogs are well taken care of. I hope that continues, I guess, for the dogs more than for the people. (laughs) Uh, Well, Bill, let's wrap things up today with the spring of inspiring inspiration. So this is Mm -hmm. when we share a positive quote with you to send you off on a positive note. And this quote today comes from Karen Lamb. And the quote is... A year from now, you may wish you had started today. And that mm-hmm. resonated with me because I definitely will push things off sometimes and then yeah. get upset when I do push them off. And good reminder, you just start, you know, you don't even have to finish. You just got to start. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of times we wait to start till we think we're perfect or really good at something and then we never start at all. And so please, to all our listeners out there, take that leap. Start that new hobby activity that you've been putting off because a year from now, you're going to wish you started today. And one of those hobbies that we don't want you to stop is listening to Ridiculous News. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. Yes, thank you so much. And email us if you want to stay in touch at ridiculousnews at iheartmedia.com and on Facebook and IG. Follow Ridiculous News. And you can check out our comedy videos at Mark Kendall Comedy. Bye, y'all. See you. Ridiculous News is hosted by Mark Kendall and Bill Worley. Executive producers are Ben Bolin and Noel Brown. Produced and edited by Tari Harrison. Research provided by Casey Willis. And theme music by Four Eyes and Dr. Delight. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.